just like that, they buy it. They eat it up. You pander to them, you thank them. I mean, really, people, I thought you were a little bit smarter than that. I mean, it's just so easy wow. to say the name of the city. You cheer. Hey, oh, Stephanie, you. Stephanie, you just cheer. I just, mean, just come on. Welcome to the A Show. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the A Show, episode one thirteen, with the Kings of Pro Wrestling Podcast. I am Justin. I am here with Meals. Meals, we are we are a week away, bud. Week away from Christmas, buddy. It is holiday season, as a very popular DJ would once say. A very popular what? Wash DJ? I don't know what to say. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Shade already. (laughs) A very popular DJ once said. but yes, holiday season. I'm I'm here for it. Um, ready to continue. I mean, you know what? This has been such a wild run up to holiday season for me. I think I've done legitimately. I thought December was going to be light for me. Mm-hmm. I've done so much fucking. I mean, I shouldn't cuss on this podcast. I've done so many legitimately podcasts over the last like two weeks. I'm just like, bruh, I'm, I thought this was going to be easy. I thought this was going to be, you know, like at work when I don't do anything well, not because it's December and it's like, what are we doing? It's the end mm-hmm. of the year. I'll get back, get back to me on January 2nd. Then I'll have all your stuff for me, but no, it's legitimately like we're still pushing RNC radio, everything. Gosh, yeah. darn man. Oh, over everything and and i mean i hate to brag or just you know i'm just so excited for everything that's coming up in in 2020 but rnc is gonna it's gonna look and feel very different uh across across every show i think i think it will i think we got some some pretty cool plans in the uh in the pipeline coming so uh thank definitely thank you guys for listening i don't want to get too mushy here because it's not like the end of year january 1st type show yet but uh i'm kind of freaked out about uh rnc secret santa um so rnc secret santa so i got my gift probably like a week ago so it should have been delivered by now i can't speak for the rest of you you know delinquents whether or not gifts <laughs> come, whether or not gifts have arrived i'm supposed to be receiving tracking numbers i haven't got them yet like you know you guys are really pushing it to the limit yeah. and yeah. i just hope everyone is able to enjoy christmas as i hope that my secret Santa E or Santa, uh, how what do you call the person that you you are the secret Santa, but are, what do you call uh, the person that you are giving the gift to? The gifty. Okay, sure. Yeah. Um, I just hope my gifty enjoys mm-hmm. the gift that I have selected for them. Um, but that I mean, how how are your things going for your secret Santa? Uh, I mean pretty good really really tough i typically don't like secret santa by the way so just you know heads up like you know of course that we love the people in our group but i i'm not a fan of secret santa otherwise i don't trust people in getting me or knowing me or having the best interest for me in mind so that's the fun part no it's not it is the most it is the part where i judge heavily i just do (laughs) 
I judge heavily. Listen, you didn't even take a chance to get to know me. Didn't even act like, you know, I've gotten, I had one secret Santa thing. They did it for us when we were in kindergarten. I don't know why, but kindergarten. So I'm assuming all the parents helped. Did you know what I got? What? Well, here, here's what I got for the person. I'll tell you what I got for the person. I got them a light bright. Not only does that show my age, but it also shows <laughs> that I'm a great gift person. So I got them a light bright. This was like 90 something. I don't know. In the middle of the 90s. I think I you're know. a great I think you're a great uh gift person. You got me a great gift. You know what I got? What? A VHS tape of some movie and it wasn't even rewound. Like <laughs> I I oh kid you not. God. And I remember getting it and then showing my mom, and my mom was also equally as mad because we legitimately bought a light bright. Light bright weren't were they were not a joke. No, like, they weren't point. at all. They, they were not they a had joke. A, they had a thing in I think in the eighties they had a thing and then they kinda had like a revival in the nineties a little bit. And yeah. listen, they were hot commodity. Like from there on I've never trusted people in my best interests when it comes to uh how we say? I, I think white set. elephant. I think white elephant's better. What's white elephant? It's where you. Uh, Sounds really bad saying it, but like it's where you buy a, a gift and then a bunch of people buy a gift and then you like swap oh, it. Oh, the evil Santa thing, it. evil yeah. Santa swap thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. That's a good one. But here's the thing about that one. Now you don't even have to care about what gift you buy. <laughs> you just legitimately throw anything in there. It is a battle royale of. The gifts that just like this is just supposed to be a general gift. You go on Amazon, you hit gifts, you pick up the third thing on that list, and you just throw it right in there. Yeah, I mean you have a you have a you have a limit, and you just do it. Why not? You just throw it in there, and you just you know someone's gonna get a friggin' knob set. Someone is going to get some you know some charger. You know the 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 charger thing for Secret Santa now is a thing. So someone's gonna get one of those. Um, someone is going to get something really good like a remote controlled car or some stuff like that something really wild and you know someone's gonna get crap but yeah. you know a beach ball or something you can't help it you know you really can't help it, it it's it's a it's a really i mean it's more stressful in a lot of ways you know what i'm saying getting gifts in general is stressful i can't tell you over the last two weeks how my heart has sank into my i don't want to go that far down let me be able to say stomach <laughs> I'll say my heart has sank into my stomach trying to, you know, get all these things in order. I still haven't got everyone's present, so, you know. Yeah, me either. I This weekend, I, I usually am not the final uh, last-minute guy, but my nieces gave me their lists literally days ago. So, we'll have to see how it works. And they live in Virginia, so <laughs> we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Uh, very light week on the programs this week, as you guys can tell from our banter. Um, not a lot of news as the year winds down. Uh, I think a lot of the uh, shows and companies are wrapping it up. There will be no new NXT. Uh, well, new to us, I believe they did tape matches, but um, there will be no you know super new NXT uh, on Christmas or AEW as well. Um, and there will be a tape draw next uh, next Monday. And I would I would be inclined to believe there's going to be a live SmackDown because I'm pretty sure they would probably get back on the road, right? I think I don't know if it's this week that they're in Brooklyn. I think it might be this it's, Friday that they're it's in this Brooklyn. Friday. Yeah, because so they're they're, they're in MSG next week. 
Um, I was gonna go, but the, considering how SmackDown has been over the last number of weeks, I might want to just watch it at home. They might pull um, out a good show. They might pull out a big show. Nah, they don't pull out. I mean, Brooklyn is kind of like if it was like SmackDown at MSG, I'd be like, okay, maybe I tune in. But even the SmackDown at MSG earlier this year, not that great. <laughs> the the, the staple show was pretty fun, but that was because obviously there are reasons why that was fun. <laughs> yeah, that was fire. But yes, it won't be there. So I'm not sure the MSG house show looks fun. I mean, that looks better than SmackDown by like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the cage match between Asuka, Charlotte, and then Becky Lynch. That looks fire. That I, I I would love for them to televise that, but I could I could see. Well, I mean, obviously, and we'll get to to why that match is what it is right now because it was supposed to be something else uh, until Sunday. But uh, it, it, I mean, I feel as though we got an even possibly even better show uh, or even better match out of it because now it's uh, it's for Becky's title. Um, the TLC aired on Sunday. Uh, general thoughts about TLC, Mills. How about how you felt about the show? Um, it started off really, really well. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the middle, it kind of dipped for me. Actually, it dipped quite a bit for me. And then the ending kind of saved it. But overall, I want to say if I had to average that entire kind of slopey thing out, I'll say it was a solid show. Solid show. Not a bad way to end the year. Yeah, it's not, not a great way to end the year either. <laughs> I saw someone say it was like uh, like the most disappointing pay-per-view of the year. And I was like, nah, it's impossible for it to be to be that. There were just too many, too many bangers on there. At least three. To be honest, I can't tell you the most disappointing pay-per-view of the year. And I know we got to do this list and things like that. But I can't tell you the most disappointing pay-per-view of the year. Not I that think, all have been good. Like maybe Smackville. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, that wasn't a pay-per-view, though. <laughs> I think, well, I think, the, I think your choice was actually, I didn't even think of it. And I thought it was a great choice, the, the choice that you had. Well, I'm not going to reveal it, but I saw it. I think I was like, I, when, you, when I saw it, I was like, I was like, hmm, yeah, he's right. <laughs> okay, turn on. Yeah. Um, um, TLC otherwise, I mean, just, you know, if I had to pick, I mean, I think both of us were looking forward to this Alice Black and Buddy Murphy match. Right. And do you feel like it delivered? A hundred percent. I think it was probably one of my favorite matches of the month. Um, I, it, it, in fact, made me go back today because I rewatched it today and and change a couple things regarding Alistair Black. Um, and we'll get to that a little later. But I, th- I think that they both had something to prove. I think they a hundred percent did. I mean, I know you've said it before. I know I've been saying it. Like they've. Um, I think we we kind of landed on two separate spectrums of it, but I agreed with you where, where it's like okay, you need to sh- you know you know you know poop or get off the pot with with Alistair. Meanwhile, I'm I'm more inclined to believe that they want to make him a uh, a spectacle, and both things are fine and both things are good. But now I'm leaning towards what you what you think, Mills, and I'm like okay, give this guy a program now. I think he's proven you know everything he's needed to prove, and that is that he can deliver in the ring, and he proved it in NXT as well. I, I just want the squashes to stop at this point. You know, yeah. like I, I want him to get to a real match. And, and I think that they definitely proved both. I mean, even in loss, Murphy proved that he deserves to be at least in the U.S. title contention scene. But it's like, again, you have this issue with Brock not being on the show that right. leads to a lot of these types of programs having no stakes. 
Right. So, you know, I you know what? I thought it was a fantastic match. A lot of great sequences between them. And I thought both of them put in a lot of hard work for this match. Um, in terms of Aleister Black, I do feel like at some point, I think as they're inching towards WrestleMania, something will pop up. But, you know, as we're heading towards like he's practically been on the roster for a year and it's been kind of like just middling around trying to figure out what are we going to actually do with him. Sometimes he's injured. Sometimes he's not injured. Sometimes he's just sitting on the shelf in a room. Sometimes he's not. Um, um, Buddy Murphy, I can say, has been making the best of whatever television time that he's had, and he's been owning it. So I say, you know what? I wouldn't call this the. I, I don't know if I'd call this the match of the night. It's pretty damn close, though. It was close. Uh, I think it's probably. It was, oh, I, I wouldn't be mad if anyone said it was. To be honest, yeah, I wouldn't be mad either. Um, oh, it had a, had a really I, solid. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, I've thoroughly also enjoyed the ladder match um, between New Day and Revival. I'm glad that at the last second they added that stipulation because otherwise I would not have wanted to see this match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that uh, I, I'm just tired of this 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 um, pairing. And mm-hmm. I, I think but that... But there's not like, much else, you know. Exactly. And it's like, what, were the Usos, the Usos are drafted to Raw 100%, right? They were drafted to Raw. I don't think they were drafted anywhere. They weren't? I, I could have no. sworn they were. Because the Usos and oh, Naomi were. weren't drafted to any show, so they've just been sitting around. I'm interested. I'm super interested in the story behind this because, you know, the last time we kind of heard of them, you know, they had the DUI thing. Yeah. And I think they still wrestled for a bit after that, and then they were just taken off television. I'm wondering if that's due to that reasoning. Um, I know Naomi's like, hey, I've been also injured and just also banged up. I think she's been on, you know, for the last number of years, she's been going at it consistently on house shows, even if she hasn't been on a major program that she's just been out. Um, she so she's getting some time off. Of, yeah, she mentioned it was because of her like mental health at that time. Mm. It could potentially be that as well. So I think, you know, WWE is doing this thing where they're getting a lot of talents time off to be able to prepare themselves, rehabilitate themselves. And I have to applaud them for that, because even up to five years ago, they definitely wouldn't have done that. But I'm interested. I'm interested in the return. I'm interested in the story. I think we'll get the return sometime within the next couple of months if I had to predict. But honestly, I have no idea what's going on with them. But I miss the Usos. Remember, they were I just read I just read up on it. They were drafted to run the shakeup. That's why that's why I remember it. Because it was their first mm. time being on Raw in like forever. And then they were drafted and then the wild card happened right after that. So they were on SmackDown anyway. Right. But they weren't drafted in the post the post. Yeah, you're right. SmackDown Friday draft thing. So yeah, yeah. You know, but it is what it is. The tag team division's gonna have to figure itself out for a couple months and they got Biggie and Kofi Kicks and the kind of just like, okay, let's figure out what we're gonna do here if we're gonna do anything at all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Like it's just uh, again, I, the revival needs a direction. The new day does as well. I think, but I mean, who could beat them at this point? I think they're just kind of just unless you put teams together, which people hate, you know. But it seems to be they're in the mix with the Roman thing now. So I guess that puts the tag titles on ice again, which is even more frustrating. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> it's just a lot. SmackDown's a mess. <laughs> That's why I'm not going to the show on Friday, but it is what it is. Uh, The other two things that happen, uh, you know, we're kind of circling around the main event, but the uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, Miz, Daniel Bryan thing was another thing that was really highly talked about. Again, I think we do have differing opinions on this uh, based on what you said. Sure do. 
Um, I do think that I like the regular Bray Wyatt thing. And I think it was crazy that we waited so long to see the regular Bray Wyatt wrestle. But then again, the bell rang. And <laughs> it was the same Bray Wyatt as usual. And I know yeah. when you saw that, you were like, all right, I'm done with this. <laughs> I was pretty much done with it because at the same it's like, for instance, I know why they did this. And I think Bray Wyatt, at least the fiend in terms of continuing with this kind of momentum and continuing with these squash matches on big pay-per-views against big, big guys, essentially. And, you know, I don't want to say squash matches, but the fact that he doesn't sell anything and trying to craft a match around that, I think, you know, it's. I, I think honestly, this match could have probably happened on SmackDown, and it would have been the same thing. However, it probably would, and it probably would have popped the rating. <laughs> yeah, I, I think so as well. But um, I think just in general, this whole no selling thing, I'm still not a fan of it, especially in 2019. I just think the 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 time that we're in is so far removed from these type of gimmicks. We're just like no selling; it kind of works. And I think you know the little ironic gimmicks, like an orange cat eater or something. I think that works, but I don't even think that works like full. You know, that doesn't work over long term. And I don't think Bray Wyatt works long term at this current stage. Where he switches back between this person or that person, I don't think he works long term. You know what's crazy is that like he's still doing he's selling a lot more, but then like toward the end he just stops. He's that didn't Miz like break his shoulder or something like that during the match? Yeah, and then, then he no sold it. He popped it back in. Yeah, he he back in and no sold in. it, and then gives him a sister Abigail with the same arm, I think, and. Well, no, he wasn't the same arm. It was the opposite arm. But, well, I like, you know what? I liked how he kind of, he explained it kind of on SmackDown. If you like listen to his actual promo where he says he's essentially trained himself not to feel pain. And you yeah. can do that as well. Yeah. But just in terms of just like the meta sense of it, like it doesn't that work. That don't work. Yeah, that doesn't work. In for my him. opinion. Yeah, it just doesn't work because wrestling is just an art. There's pain. There's, you know, suffering. There's all this other stuff that goes back and forth. Like, to me, this works now. But where does where do we see this in a year? We don't see the same thing, hopefully still going, because the crowd is going to shit all over it, especially by the time it hits WrestleMania. So where do we go from here is I'm interested in that. Yeah, they 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 got me uh they got me messed up if they think I'm about to be watching matches like this. However, right. uh, I we thought, thought was, the lights was the the solution, and then the lights were different, and it was still the same thing. So, I I was kind of annoyed. I know you'll probably love this. I was kind of annoyed beating the Miz here. Didn't really like that. Um, thought they could have. thought yeah, yeah. I agree. I thought they could have done without beating him here in a really heatless like six minute match. They didn't really mean much. It was like a storyline. I didn't. I didn't rate this match at all. I like gave it a question mark because I was just yeah. literally like, "This is all storyline." <laughs> yeah, this is a to me. This is a stopgap in between the actual Bray Wyatt and Daniel Bryan feud. Like this yeah. entire little program, while it has worked, and while I guess the Miz and his family has done all they can, it's essentially a little stopgap. I'm still kind of trying to wonder what the Miz still has to do with all this Daniel Bryan and Bray Wyatt thing. But I generally think it's maybe because of the relationship that the Miz and Daniel Bryan have with one another, mm-hmm. that they're just trying to, you know, trying to play off of that. You, in can the go interim. Back, you can go back to the well with that. Like you can with Seth and Roman and Roman yeah. triple H and Seth triple H. You can, you could, that's one storyline and, and character thing that I do love the continuity of. Um, but of yeah, course I agree. We, we got the return of, of Daniel Bryan looking like 11 years younger. 
Um, of course, we we knew that this was going to happen. Uh, he was going to shave his head. Of course, uh, I think it, he looks great. I think he looks really good. He looks great. He looks exactly how he did in 2010. That vegan diet is working wonders for him. You know, yeah, he said black don't crack, huh? <laughs> Green don't bend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good for him, man. He looks great. Uh, yeah. So I guess we're gonna get this at Royal Rumble. Uh, to mm-hmm. I guess uh, I think it should be a triple threat, honestly. I think the Miz is going. I don't know. The Miz is going. I don't think they want the Miz in the match really or in a program really. But I think he orbits around this program still. And I don't know if he costs Daniel Bryan something. I don't know if he, Daniel Bryan and the Miz become a team, which would become an inter- interesting wrinkle considering their entire arc over the last decade. I just think they're going to do something with the Miz and Daniel Bryan as well. I don't know. Just them orbiting one another to me is just a little bit. You know, yeah. I'm not sure of it. I th- well, I think a triple threat would be obviously to have uh, Brian not lose, <laughs> like outright, you know. But he he's not afraid of losing. The man has lost all year, actually. <laughs> I know, but but again, like here's and I think you can also agree with me here. Like a lot of people around this time of the year or really during the whole year say Brian does nothing and his run doesn't mean anything, and they speculate that Brian isn't happy. But then they always heat him up for many a season, and he gets a, he gets a big match. I think he's going to get a big match nonetheless. I think, however, though, I don't know. To me, Daniel Bryan isn't afraid of losing. I think we've seen that all year. Ali, Kofi, yeah. Adam Cole. Every, he's not afraid of losing. He just he will do it if it's good enough for the storyline and if someone else needs to go over. I think he just loves to wrestle again. Um, yeah. And he loves this kind of stuff. He just wants to work out, you know, everything, this kind of, this kind of match. Um, main event. The TLC match between the Kabuki Warriors and Charlotte and Becky. Um, I really like the match. I Again, I, I think that the women matches, the reason I enjoy them on the same show, especially the main event ones, not so much like a lot of the TV stuff, mm-hmm. um, is that they are they are produced way differently than the men matches are. So I, you, get a, you really do get a variety on, on WWE programming between the men and the women on each yeah. different brand. Um, and it, it, you know, this didn't disappoint. This felt like a real fight. They were beating each other. They were beating the hell out of each other. And of course, with that comes, you know, a, a fair bit of, of not, I wouldn't say tragedy, but, but consequences to that, uh, to which Kyrie Sane, of course, uh, it's being speculated. It's not really, it hasn't been officially announced by WWE, but it's been speculated uh, and, and alleged that she suffered a concussion during the match. Uh, which led to all three women, and that is, uh, well, I mean, depending on who you ask, uh, that led to all of the women in the match kind of protecting around her, but more specifically, Becky and Asuka, who actually have, like, reported and and on video evidence of really just protecting Kyrie. Like, she's pretty much out of the match for the final five minutes, and Asuka basically wins it on her own, which, to me, kind of made the storyline with her and Becky even even stronger. Yeah, to me, it's a... You know, this entire match, and I think, you know, you know, it's the weird thing. I legitimately feel like every calendar year we have the same conversation about who's dangerous and who's important or who's hurting who in the ring. And it's usually have a lot to do with women. I think Nia Jax a couple of years ago got a lot of flack for punching Becky in the face. I think a, a couple, I think last year or so, we talked about Brie Bella kicking Liv Morgan and, and kind of concussing her. And we have this whole conversation, this whole sort of uprising on of like, oh my God, why did Charlotte even bother doing this? Like, this is not, I think generally Charlotte, who is so, 
in tune with her character at this stage of her career and in tune with the matches and in tune with the ten- intensity of it all generally wasn't paying attention. And while that, you know, that's definitely on fault for her, but I think eventually she does realize it, it was a little bit until she decides to bomb her at the table anyway. But there are definitely moments. I just want to say particularly in terms of all the backlash that Charlotte's getting for it and everyone kind of getting for it. I think the women are a lot tougher than you think. Yeah. Um, and we need to stop, you know, trying to police or try to be like, you know, try to be like morally right or trying to downplay, you know, downturn WWE for these type of things because a lot of them, Akari Sane still, despite being put through a table and slapped in the face all after the concussion in fact still tried to get up and to compete within the final moments of this match i mean she was a part of you know tying up that ladder and just like helping pull it down and it or, happened or really a early few spots like that and it happened really yeah, early I'm, and yeah it was, it was a 25 minute match <laughs> Yeah, it's it was a super long match, and you kind of felt how long the match was, especially by like minute twenty. You're just like, "Well, they're still doing this." However, I think just in general, the women are tougher than you think. I don't see usually women online complaining on social media. Um, not to say that they don't complain, because I'm sure they're like that, but I'm pretty sure they're like, "Listen, these things like this happen." You even said it. I think you said it on Twitter or we, or we talked about it earlier. Like they came from like neck bump, <laughs> the neck bump promotion. Yeah. Like, yeah, 100 percent. St- stardom itself. Like we they it's not that I'm excusing everything that happened, but I'm just saying you need to give them a little bit more credit because most of these things happen to the men and there isn't even enough conversation about it but when it happens to women everyone kind of like jumps on a bandwagon that they're unsafe or they're not good or all these other things like and and, and let's like bring out the elephant in the room a week ago everyone was white knighting for charlotte and now she's public enemy number one again it's exactly yeah. the, it's exactly the point that i made last week in that if she was in a position that you guys had her in in the past three years you would be whining about it again and they went right back to it a week later like i hate that it had to be this you know but like, don't, don't, don't even do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, don't do it. Like, yes, she made a lot of really questionable judgment calls in that match. Like the, the spear to the slap was wild. Yeah. I think that, I think that was all on adrenaline though, because she was gassed up for this match. Like she was just as ready. Her favorite opponent to face is Oscar. It's just, she's been on record about it. She talks about it plenty. This is a TLC match. This is the main event. This is a women's tag team match. This is something that hasn't really been done. She is jazzed up. She's adrenaline. When she came around that corner, I'm sure she had no idea what was going on. Um, The power bomb was wild. (laughs) First of all, that power bomb was crazy. She was like, you're getting up and you're going to like it. Like all the core strength in her because Kyrie was like, I'm not going that far. Yeah. Um, Kyrie was like, please and do not Bailey do this. And Charlotte was like, yes, you are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was very, very weird. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, again, spectacular match. I think when you give the women, the main events, they perform at a, at a really high yeah. level. Um, to a, to yeah, a point I agree. That's just been a theme this year. When you give them the main event, they're gonna perform. Even if it was like the the remember the mixed tag tag match with uh Seth and Becky, I thought that was really good too. Yeah, I thought so as well. Um, but that leads us right into Raw, where uh Becky does lay down the gauntlet for Asuka in a really good promo, saying that she needs to beat Asuka. That's the that's she's you know, the the one person she hasn't been able to beat all year. I think we both predicted this would be the, the case for, for these two. 
um, a, a year in the making. I, re- I literally remember being at the edge of my seat at Bill Hanstock's house uh, this January, or this past January, for the Royal Rumble, thinking that, you know what, Asuka might not win this. And then she did. And they ended up having one of the best matches, to, to you know, for my money, my, in my top 10 matches of the year. We're going to get yeah. it again. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to get it again. At least it hasn't been officially confirmed, but we're going to get it again this January. Yeah. Becky, yeah. It's a, you know, it's been a year in the making. I, I appreciate Becky pretty much staying close to this and just being like, listen, there is one debt that has not been collected. There is one person I have not beaten. And she dropped a insanely good promo on mm-hmm. Monday, sort of capturing the feeling all around us and capturing probably very real feelings and also just very, you know, you know, just creating the intensity for this match and you know part of me thinks like listen if asuka maybe you know she's she's so good at emoting that i'm wondering how she does her rebuttal to this i'm kind of intrigued because and and i think she'll do it in her own asuka way which is like i'm trolling you but also i will kill you um (laughs) type of thing but to me, this match, I'm ready. I've, I've been ready. I'm ready to see it. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be spectacular. I can't wait for the build to this. Uh, I also love that, you know, and, and all of the women, even past Ronda Rousey, and, and I think that we both can say that, you know, as, as Oscar fans as, as we are, that they're, they're treating Oscar, the Oscar win and the Oscar feud with Becky as something on par, if not bigger than the Ronda feud. Um, because she hasn't beaten her yet. And I think yeah. that, again, this puts Oscar right back in the driver's seat. I am so, 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 so very glad. Um, I mean, and again, win or lose, you know, I'm very glad that Oscar's back in this position as an unbeatable, just terrorizer of, of the division. And I think that they've really rehabbed her after a whole year of just just confusion and and really, you know, anger and confusion as to as to what happened last March, you know, we wanted her to be back on top again. And, and here she is again, um, getting the yeah. opportunity. So um, another thing that happened on raw, uh, the main story thread, if you will, I just wanted to segue from the main event to the, to the Becky program that we saw. Um, Seth Rollins takes aim at Rey Mysterio after a 50 minute gauntlet match. <laughs> they had no, they had no finish, <laughs> no finish. Well, I don't even think Ray was in it. Was Ray in the match? No, he wasn't. He didn't end up getting no, there. He just showed up. He just showed up because Umberto got his uh got his stuff, well, you know, ruined. One thing I can say. Go ahead. Um, that I I did love I, I love the raw thread of stories between all of the all of the main eventers and the in the mid carters. They all feel as though they are working towards something that as you said before, Meals, and also feels as though they're working with each other in tandem in the ring as well to tell a story. Um, yeah. I really like this match. Our truth comes out, gives a promo, goes against Akira Tozawa, who again, one of these utility guys that SmackDown is missing, where you can have a guy that takes losses, but also beat guys that he should be beating, right? Yeah. So he beats he beats our truth, which again goes into Ricochet, and they have a tremendous match, uh, in my opinion. Um, and then we get Ricochet versus Humber- Umberto, who they are. Remember that people we were like, well, are they are they off him? They seems like they're back on the Umberto train. Oh, they haven't got off the Umberto train. It, to me, it's kind of weird. I feel like I feel bad for Cedric Alexander. I was like, man, man, this could have been you. Um, <laughs> however, 
Um, Ricochet versus Umberto. It's I mean, he's doing very, very well in the position that he in that he's in. I think the connection to the crowd isn't there yet, but in terms of just like them building him up and understanding, I think the pe- the people are beginning to understand, like, yo, we can get behind this guy. And I think that's kind of what they want more so than, you know, even the barrier bank the language barrier um mm-hmm. not fully getting crossed. They want people to be like, yo, this is a guy that you can kind of get behind. And they're showing it, and especially with the way how the match ended, um sympathy for sure. Yeah. Lots of sympathy. Uh Andrade who suffered yet another defeat to Umberto uh on the go on the uh pre show, I'm sorry, uh to TLC comes out and destroys him and that leads uh Ray to chase off Andrade. The match does not continue because uh, Andrade was apparently supposed to be the last person that he faced, and he said, you know what, forget it. Uh, but that leaves Seth Rollins out because at the beginning of the show, which is again very, very nice writing here, he said that you know, whoever I'm aiming at, uh, just in advance, I'm sorry. And he comes out and they they beat up Rey Mysterio and Rey Myst- and Seth challenges Rey Mysterio to a US title match, which we will see on the Christmas Eve, or is that Christmas Eve? It's no, like Christmas, but no, it's pretty close. It's to Christmas, Christmas Eve Eve episode <laughs> of, right. of Raw uh, next Monday, which should be tremendous. They've never faced each other before, which and, and I thought it was Cap, and apparently it is not Cap. They are actually they have never faced each other before, so that should be really really dope. Um, you, one thing you did mention about the the language barrier with Umberto, they mm-hmm. I think uh, whoever's writing the show, whether it be Paul Heyman and Koski or whoever's doing the show, they are letting them cut promos in their native language and they're not trying to hide it. And I think that that is to me in a lot of ways, really progressive because yeah. they, they know that there are a lot of, uh, you know, Latino speakers who watch this show. And I think that it's, it's really cool that, to, to have that kind of portray, especially with Oscar and Kyrie, they always cut promos in their native language. And I'm so glad that they're not trying to make them talk in English until they, until, you know, they absolutely have to, I'm, I'm glad for it. Yeah, I agree. They're, they're I still, agree. still over. They're still over. <laughs> even 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 doing that, like I, I still think it works. So, uh, another thing on Raw, Viking Raiders suffer another L <laughs> to the OC. How do you feel about that? Man, could do without it. I I don't know, I don't why, know. We have, why we have to drag this out. Just bring the Usos out on either show. Usos Vikings is something that I would pay money to see. Yeah, I mean, the OC, I'm glad they're getting wins because they have to, at some point, be a credible team. However, you know, not they just a, not don't like do it this. for me. Yeah, not yeah. like this. <laughs> they don't, uh, they're, dyna- they're, they're not dynamic enough to kind of hang with the Viking Raiders, especially just in the ring. I would love for them to prove me wrong, but I, you know, I also doubt it that they're going to do that. No. So, we'll see how that happens. Um, go ahead. We have to talk about the most exciting part of Monday Night Raw. Yeah, for a lot of people, uh, Liv Morgan resurfaces, and she is not in the Firefly Funhouse. <laughs> uh, maybe a little bit. We haven't Who's, seen it yet. Who started that? Who started that rumor? A lot of people. They, because I, she's insane. Not insane, but she's a little kooky. She's a little off-kilter. Well, she's very Harley Quinn-esque. Um, and, you know... I don't I don't I guess the fiend would be the Joker, but she's very like Harley Quinn esque, which I get. And I think she plays up that like little bit of bratty insanity that a Harley Quinn can kind of come into. But it's interesting to see what is going to come from yeah. Luke Morgan this time. Because honestly, there's no other women on Raw. <laughs> oh yeah, they they definitely need her. I, I do believe 
Oscar's officially raw, so I would think that Liv would have to be Charlotte. She'd do it. Nah, she would be enhancement talent. She would be because that's kind of been the theme. No, no, no. She wouldn't. She wouldn't be enhancement talent, but she would begin to beat enhancement talent. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. She'd be chilling for a while. I, I would imagine she'd have to be going after. You know, a lot of people have been thinking that they don't. They don't. Uh, they don't think that Becky's going to be able to beat. Um, Oscar again. That'd be wild, though. That would be wild as hell. I, I think I think Becky is one hundred percent beating Oscar, but I think that if if she doesn't, I think Liv would be a cool little stopgap until whatever happens at Rumble happens or it happens at Mania happens. Here's the thing: I don't think Liv is ready for that type of of, of smoke. <laughs> no, yeah, she isn't ready for that stage as of yet. She's solid, but she's not great. You know, she hasn't yeah. been tested, in my opinion. She's been all through NXT, but I still even think that in NXT, like, we gave her a lot of praise for kind of the bare minimum because she's Liv and we all love Liv. But I don't think she's been tested in sort of that sort of fashion. She hasn't really been through the gauntlet, had these singles matches, had these, you know, matches that sh- that's shown that she's grown and improved. She's been in the right squad the entire time um, under Ruby Riot. This is her time to shine, break out. This is her time to shine, and I hope she delivers. That's all I can say. Yeah, uh, I, I did like the uh, the little uh, pre tape there. It was pretty cool. I yeah, can't wait to see. I, I can't wait to see what's next. So uh, shout out to Liv. Shout so out to Twitter her fans. Stop talking about it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was waiting. I wasn't going to say it, but thank you for saying it. Um, but now let's get to the main event. Uh, everything that that we have been hyping up the first half of our year in special here. Uh, we have we're gonna run through ten categories and we're gonna explain Oof. a little bit. We're gonna explain a little bit of, of why we chose what we chose, Emil. So, uh, are you ready for a year end list? Let's do it. Cool. I'm gonna start off. I'm gonna go backwards from the list that I gave you. No, should I go for? Okay. No, I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna go for it because I think it's gonna get funnier as it goes on. Let's just get the perfunctory ones out the way. Obviously, we're gonna do uh, more next week. We're gonna have our match of the year next week, uh, and, and a lot more different categories. But this week, we're starting off with ten other ones. Uh, first off, being wrestler of the year, and as we did last year, we're gonna have our winner and our runner-ups, and we're gonna we're gonna talk all about it. Uh, Mills, who was your wrestler of the year? Well, my wrestler of the year. Um, listen, I I love. I'm not going to say I tried to find an alternative because that's just my brain. I try to find the alternative. I try to say, hmm, maybe uh, yeah. this this one was, wait for it, undisputed. <laughs> Adam Cole Babe. is my wrestler of the year. He, to me, just kind of... He's undeniable, and I think by the time we hit November, it was more than Drew. Um, mm-hmm. with his performances, with his back-to-back performances, with everything that he's kind of done, to me, there's been no competition as someone who has been so consistent throughout the entire 2019. Adam Cole has elevated himself in a whole new level, and I think he is the wrestler of the year. Uh, I have to agree. Adam Cole is also my wrestler of the year. Uh, there were a lot of, of wrestlers that were... Uh, up on my list, uh, I had Shingo from New Japan. I also had Kota Ibushi uh, in in the number one slot for a while. Kota was really good. Yeah, Kota was <laughs> G one winner this year. Um, but I think just in terms of 
this Adam Cole is a guy that in 2017 I was like, you know what? He was always cool to me, but I didn't know if he could go to the next step. And what the next step is is promos, it's gaining an audience, it is matches, of course, but it's all of the intangibles. And I think that what really you know hit home for me in a personal way, in, in a way that I don't think that you know any other wrestlers could have hit, and you know it's, it's no fault of their own. It was just where I was being at that 10-2 NXT on the 2nd of October and mm-hmm. seeing Cole Riddle and seeing this guy really like he had the crowd in the, in the palm of his hands, you know, whether, yeah. whether it was win or lose, this guy is supposed to be the biggest heel in NXT and they treat him like it, but they also show him his respect when it's, when it's due. I, I agree with you here as well. In November, he was the Iron Man of the wrestling industry. Let's just be clear. This guy had a broken wrist, I believe, and was basically wrestling every single week, multiple times a week, in ladder matches, in war games matches, in singles matches. It didn't matter. This guy definitely like was the Iron Man of the industry. I think Adam Cole is definitely the, the wrestler of the year. I think you have to give it to, to him, his matches with Gargano, Riddle, literally everybody, even Daniel Bryan on, on TV at, at like hours notice, you know? This guy shows the professionalism and the skill to do what he has to do and be the top of his game. He is my wrestler of the year as well. But uh, you're a runner-up. Did you have one? I don't think I had one, to be honest with you. There Kofi? was kind of no competition. Kofi? Nah, I didn't have Kofi. Here's the thing. I mean, I don't have much runner-ups, to be honest with you. But my winner is there. My winner is there. Um, <laughs> Kofi Kingston had a great year. And I would say if I had a, if I had to insert a runner up right there, I'd probably say Kofi Kingston because Kofi Kingston to me, the elevation, the story through his year, how he's able to rise to kind of the level that he was at um, and kind of have the entire wave of support behind him. Th- this was the first thing that in a long time where I think WWE listened. I mean, it's it's been since the last Daniel Bryan thing. But WWE kind of listened and followed the wave and sort of continued to like feed the wave and seeing everything that he's done this year. I mean, he doesn't have the sort of, you know, amount of matches, you know, as amount of great matches as Adam Cole. I'll say that he does have the most undeniable moment of the year, however. Um, But, you know. I, w- I would say if I had to do a runner-up, I would say Kofi Kingston. What about That's you? fair. That's fair. Uh, I had a tie, I, and this was a this was a last-minute tie. Uh, my my runner-ups are Kota Ibushi and Alistair Black. Um, Kota Ibushi, I, I think that it's it's pretty much self-explanatory. This guy ran New Japan this year. Um, he won the G1. He could, could potentially potentially win both the heavyweight title and the Intercontinental title on uh, January fourth at uh Russell kingdom. So, I mean, definitely that would cap off a, a tremendous year for him. Um, but Alistair black, a little bit more interesting to me, I think his run since the beginning of the year. And I think a lot of people forget about the NXT stuff, but I think he was in undisputedly my favorite tag match of the year with Ricochet and the uh, Viking Raiders, then known as the war Raiders. And then when he came to the main roster, he continued to have really good solid matches. And he was a spectacle. Like I said earlier in the show, like the Cesaro match was was another match that was like again stole the show. The Buddy Murphy match just stole the show again. I think that they have carefully crafted Alistair Black into a spectacle that the Fiend they wish the Fiend could be. In my opinion, I think that the Fiend can't have normal matches. Of course, you don't want to book him to have matches like that. But I think that every time Alistair's out there, there is a buzz about it, and he looks cool, and he is cool. 
And I think they've managed to keep that aura up in a way that the fiend to me just isn't cool anymore, you know? So yep. Alistair Black, my runner up as well with Kota Ibushi, really great camp company there. And again, shout out to NXT for like really crafting out and cranking out these, these excellent wrestlers. And uh, this is the second year NXT wrestler has won our wrestler of the year. Right. Uh, tag team of the year. Uh, Meals, what, what say you? I have very, I guess, the black sheep pick of it all. I have the Kabuki Warriors. There's no question that I am a mark for Asuka. There's no, you know, and, and Kyrie saying also along for the ride has not disappointed as well. Mm-hmm. These two have kind of turned it around for me. These two have, um, you know, they've lasted through the entire year, especially when I didn't think that they would last, nor that I think they should put would be put together. But they have put together pr- pretty much a solid run, especially considering these new established women's tag team titles. I don't think any tag team women's tag team has been able to sort of uh kind of get a grasp and kind of figure this thing out what the kabuki warriors kind of have and they've Mm. been you know fearsome i could see them holding these belts forever a lot well pretty much because they don't know what else to do with them yeah there's no Um, one else (laughs) there's no one else yeah (laughs) so i could see them holding this belt for like 700 days but the kabuki warriors are pretty much it for me they are they are the bee's knees they're everything uh i i went with the undisputed era um, along with, with winning the tag titles again uh, and being the first, what was it, two-time, three-time? I think it was three-time. Yeah, I think it's three-time. It's definitely yeah, three times by now. The, the first three-time uh, tag team champions in NXT, uh, breaking records, of course, and having excellent matches against the War Raiders, uh, against Ricochet and Aleister Black. No, yeah, and, uh, and against DIY, I, I believe. They, they had another one on TV with DIY. Uh, and, and another match at Survivor Series where they were able to show that they could hang on the main roster as well. I think that the team of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, absolutely one of my favorite tag teams because they and they've just done it for years. They've done it in the Undisputed Era. They've done it as Red Dragon. They continue to be one of my favorite tag teams, even you know wh- whatever promotion that they're on. So Undisputed Era, of course, my favorites. Uh, Meals, I think we I think we broke even on the runner-ups as well here. Yeah, <laughs> practically, um, I had my runner-ups was Ricochet and Alistair Black. They were only you know. A, put it together for a short time but man they too brought it they were you know actually i would say probably underrated match from this year one that has looked over um they were also part i believe of that nxt halftime heat one yes that was really good that was kind of like the future of nxt i think it was to me that one is a very underrated match when it comes to this year a lot of people forget about it but to me it's one of the best matches of the year and it's one of the most it's arguably one of the most significant nxt matches of the year basically because this was saying like listen these are the next generation these are the six that we have and they are going to tear down the house and we trust them to put this on halftime of the super bowl so mm-hmm. There we are. But I think Ricochet and Aleister Black, they just, for two guys who were just kind of put together, they kind of knew what to do when it came to the things in the ring. Yeah. Uh, like fe- I'm talking like Walt Crowley Frazier. No, 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 no. You, you are wrestling's Walt Clyde Frazier. But minus the okay. weak suits, minus the weird suits. Uh, wow. Okay. Female wrestler of the year, hotly contested. Uh, I think I think I'm going to be real controversial here. I'll go first here. Uh, I, I picked Io Shirai. Um, I think that her reinvention, notwithstanding, she was able to um, kind of she had to shift a lot this year in terms of being mm-hmm. the only one on the brand after Kyrie left and had to find her own way. 
I really love that the bookers at NXT, whether it be Triple H, uh, HBK, whoever, they noticed that she needed a course correction and quickly. They're, they're, they're her mm-hmm. face, her face, you know, run was just not working, and they turned her. And I think from there, it's the little things, the the, the unhingedness about her character, the music even, and just the performances. I, I believe that her match against Candice LeRae on any brand is one of my favorite women's matches. I would say of all time. I, I love the Candice LeRae Io Shirai match. Uh, I believe it was from the ten. It was it was one of the NXTs. I believe it was the the first one they went head to head with. Uh, no, it was a takeover. I'm sorry. It was in it was in uh, Toronto. I'm sorry. I'm bugging. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I thought that it was. I thought that it was one of my favorite matches of all time. It was it was really really awesome. I think it has all of the makings and all of the the, the keys to be just as great as Oscar is. And I think that you know when they when they pull the trigger on her finally to to have the championship that she's gonna go far. Yeah, I. You know what. That is a very solid pick in terms of my winner. I I couldn't, you know, there was a lot. And I think Becky Lynch gets a lot of flack. But I do think that she's undeniably the female wrestler of the year. And I say this from the standpoint of there is no other female in WWE history that was the man. She is legitimately the star. She is the guy. She is the person who carries the show. She is the attraction. She is not one half of the attraction. She does not share the spotlight with Roman Reigns or there's no undisputed sort of conversation where you could be like well you know the only reason why she's hot is because she's with seth or something like that she is the attraction becky lynch has done what you know what she started from last year or what she started last year rather she is taking it this year and she's firmly cemented herself as just pretty much unmatched in her division Mm -hmm. um while i you could definitely critique the in, in ring work um I just think you can't deny Becky Lynch. I mean, Becky Lynch is the star and Becky Lynch. She, she just is like, she's one of a kind. <laughs> she's currently one of one, you know, yeah. she, she's, the, for, she's the franchise. Yeah. 100%. She's, she's the franchise, bro. And, and I, I think that, you know, without a doubt, she absolutely has carried the brand uh, longest. Like she, she won the main event at WrestleMania. Like not even CM Punk did that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Let's just keep it a hundred. Yeah. Let's, yeah, let's keep it. A, let's keep it a hundred. Let's keep it a hundred. So yeah, that, no, no, you know, no anger, no disagreement there with, with with Becky Lynch being the top. I think we again split on the runner-ups as well. Rhea Ripley was both of our choices for runner-up for female wrestler of the year. There ain't there ain't no there was no inclination that she would have been here uh, in my runner-up at the beginning of the year. Um, yeah, but I, I like June. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think this last, I, I just think that a lot of a lot of it was just so. A lot of the competition was just not. It just didn't reach the heights that I thought it would. And I'll just be honest. Like I, I, I thought Sasha could have got here, and Sasha kind of petered out really, really quickly as far as like the hype of her return. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I couldn't care less about Charlotte, uh, not Charlotte, but it's, Sasha, it's Sasha Banks. Man the smackdown thing man the smackdown she's kind of bottle not i wouldn't say it's bottlenecked at the top but you know when you got bailey there and you're supposed to be bailey's best friend and the championship like there's not really much for her to kind of do i personally thought listen that we'd be talking about a little bit more about the other women in nxt i mean there's candace LeRae, there's bianca belair there's mia yim there's all these other people but i don't think any of them have come to splash in the impact that ray ripley has over the last six months she right. has 
basically been killing it in all types of ways. She she's got the look, she's got the end ring, she's got the she can speak, she does it all. She's young, um, and you know we fully expect, at least I do, tonight on NXT for her to take the NXT Women's Champion from Shayna Baszler. I hope and this so. could have been Shayna too. I mean, this could have been Shayna too. But you know, I think just the momentum with you know Ray Ripley. I think it's time. It's more yeah. than time. Yeah, she could very well be at the top of this list next year, and that's that's what I that's what I I went on uh, when I when I made that decision for runner up. So I, I definitely think that she could once again NXT though. Like they are owning these categories this year more so than usual. Uh, feud of the year. I think I think that there isn't anything. I don't care what it is. I don't care what match. I don't give a shit what promotion. The feud of the year is Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah, easily. Nothing nothing gets more emotional. Nothing means as much. Nothing is more, you know, endemic to the culture, really, if you want to talk about culture, than this match was. It was, you know, it was about damn time, 11 years in the making. The story of this being basically Daniel Bryan becoming the thing that he hated. And I wouldn't say a corporate chill, but becoming just, you know, the opposite of the underdog, someone who was holding various people down and Kofi Kingston's story coming so organically and WWE continuing to feed this wave and we're getting, you know, just sort of, sort of back and forth culminating to that major moment at WrestleMania. It was, it checked all marks. It did everything well. And, you know, they, they sold it, you know, they sold it. We bought it. We loved it. That's all I can say with Kofi Kingston versus Daniel Bryan. I mean, that is something I think not only that Kofi Kingston should be proud of, but Daniel Bryan as well as one of his you know greatest works in the WWE and maybe in wrestling in general, because we haven't really seen Daniel Bryan in this position to be able to kind of give the rub to someone like Kofi Kingston or, or anybody of the rather. It kind of proves where Daniel Bryan's status is, and it also, you know, elevated Kofi Kingston up there as well. So, yeah, it checks on Mars. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, he's done it with Roman. He's done it with with a lot of different people as far as putting them over. He just did it with Adam Cole, and I think that that did a lot for Adam Cole. Like facing Daniel Bryan, you're going places. You know, they say like Randy right. Orton was a measuring stick, or back in the day it was X Pac or somebody that they, that you know this person could hang. It's Daniel Bryan, you know, 100 mm-hmm. percent, and. You got to give it up to Daniel Bryan. I think there there isn't enough given to him on this feud in terms of framing it so that it wasn't. Let's just be real, framing it so it wasn't explicitly racial. It was more so right. status and class. And I think everyone was so. Remember how like sensitive people were at that time back in like February, March, and then they did of the. Of course, yeah. They did the gauntlet. Then they did the tag team gauntlet match which was just a tremendous turn where they had the Usos when they were about to face the New Day, and then they just left the ring, which, w- yeah. like, I watched that the other day. I'm not going to lie to you. I had tears again. I, yeah. had, chill, I it, had chills watching that. So much emotion was brought into this entire thing, and you got to give it to the writers. And once again, you got to give it to Daniel Bryan as well. This is someone who I do believe has a say in what goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it would have been easy to say, like, let's look at the booking decision and let's figure out what works best for us. And maybe Daniel Bryan wins and they continue the story, et cetera, et cetera. He, you know, they said, no, this is the time. This is the moment. Let us do it at this moment. They did everything right with this feud. Um, and I think when we look back at it, we see that they did everything right instead of, you know, talking about all the racial stuff that did not happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I love the storyline. I think that this is something that, you know, you want to talk about the Booker T thing. This is what we should talk about now, right? Like, this is what yeah, we and should. And I think this is what Booker T wants us to talk about, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, 100%. Like, this is, we can, we can, we can close a chapter on that book, okay? Because they did it right this time. And let's just be glad that we got this moment and we got, and, and we had this happen. And we'll, we'll be talking a little bit more about Kofi Kingston uh, a little bit later on in our year end. Uh, Runner-up for me was Undisputed Era versus NXT. I think that as far as like storylines in NXT, the women's storylines are always stronger to me um, in in a lot of different ways. But I think that the storyline this year of the Undisputed Era winning all the belts, it's unheard of. Like they they just don't do it anymore in modern wrestling. You know, they don't do it like 2004. You would have you could have seen it even in the Attitude Era. They've had it happen before. I think the smartest booking decision, because it hasn't happened this much, was giving the, the, the era all the belts and then having NXT work from under to try and win them back. I, I think that it solidified the era as one of the best stables, like the, the mm-hmm. DX, NWO type stable that everyone wanted them to be. And, may, and they had great matches while doing it. I, I think Undisputed Era versus NXT, I do see it winding down. I think it is actually going to be winding down pretty soon. But I think as far as carrying the year into like such a huge fall for them it was a great it was absolutely the right story to tell and i think did it work for me what about you mills yeah no i I, you know what i agree with that um i would say honestly my runner-up had to be the three women leading into wrestlemania Mm -hmm. it got a lot of con it got very convoluted at some points especially when becky lynch was injured and just kept showing up every damn week um but i'll say they knocked it out the park instead of creating just in itself creating that intensity creating the moment it was supposed to be just charlotte versus you know ronda rousey they took a moment that becky lynch was having and ended up being actually this is more of a moment at this point this is an entire run this is a, this is just kind of everything for becky lynch but they took that they combined all three parties they did the right thing by turning ronda heel because no, and at this point no one wanted to cheer anymore charlotte <laughs> was also heel in her moment they kind of left Becky Lynch to seize the throne and she did so I think all three women I think possibly the most spectacular moment of this entire thing was that go home segment where all three women are just going insane they're breaking cars they're getting arrested they're handcuffed they're still but they're still going to war you know in all of this so yeah I I, I would say that is my feud of the year I want to give it to those three women for doing the damn thing at that point can't be mad at it can't be mad at it Uh, shout out to all three of them I, I think that again say what you want that wrestlemania 35 is very much one of the biggest i i think to me within the decade though it's going to be the mania that i remember can i say that i can remember it the most even with 30 existing because 30 was such a moment but i think that Mm -hmm. 35 was really like the one that's going to matter to me and the one that I'm going to show people like at, at the end of the day, like this is where they did every single thing. Right. Right. Like they did everything right on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Where everyone that won, that should have won, they won. Cause you know, in WrestleMania, they always give you that weird one. Like why is AJ losing it to Jericho 
in his like first, yeah. you know, his first, first feud or, you know, why is, you know, Sasha not winning the belt this first time around? Like they did every single thing right. And I think that, you know, that's to me more uh, memorable to me than, than any other WrestleMania this decade. I love WrestleMania 35. Um, what's the next one we're going to go through? Uh, most, <laughs> uh, most cringeworthy moment of the year. So my cringeworthy, cringeworthy moment of the year, um, it is this very thing. It's, it's, it's a very small segment, but it's still, to me, one that... Didn't last long. Did not last long. <laughs> did not last long. Did not last. I don't think it lasted after this, but Corey Graves debuted a segment on Monday Night Raw. It was called the Electric Chair segment, and Sami Zayn was the guest, and it went off the rails so far. They had these little kids asking Sami Zayn questions. Sami Zayn is pretty much insulting them. Then he starts mentioning AEW, and I guess he gets the little pop that he wanted from that, and it's, you know, to me, the entire segment goes completely off the rails, and they had this little electric chair that you're supposed to sit in and like <laughs> spin around, and all these other things. To me, I was just like, "All right, well, it, this did not obviously work out the way that it's supposed to work out," and I don't think they wanted anyone to do this again. Yeah, <laughs> they legitimately threw the electric chair out the ring, and we never saw it again. I think Corey Graves tries to use it on his podcast now, so that might be the legacy of it. Pretty solid podcast too by Corey. I like I like listening to it. It's it's a nice like just chilling podcast. Yeah. Uh, my cringeworthy moment of the year is that uh, at a at Fight for the Fallen, uh, AEW's Fight for the Fallen, Cody bringing out a bunch of money that they raised for a charitable cause, and then proceeding to cut a promo on the WWE for five minutes while presenting said said uh, money. Just to me, pretty tasteless. Also, kind of proving and, and setting everything on the table of what AEW would eventually become or what they have become throughout the year as far as just trying to, you know, needle the company as, as much as possible. I think that it, it was just a, a really tasteless moment and it was really cringeworthy because I, I think everyone was there around it. Like the Bucks were there. Kenny was all sitting around. They were all standing around looking like complete idiots as Kofi were, was trying to say WWE couldn't counter program them because they wanted to put on an evolved show because they actually put money into that, that promotion. I mean, it was the same mm-hmm. night it was going to have, it was going to happen anyway. So uh, yeah, just re- really a cringe worthy moment in a, in a long list of cringe worthy moments for that company this year. <laughs> Meal, meals, your runner up is, uh, <laughs> it's hilarious considering our next, uh, <laughs> our, our, our next, uh, our category. So my runner up for cringe worthy moment of the year is more Ronaldo pretty much his sickle mode line on commentary, which he's like, like a light, a like a light. And I'm just like, bro, please stop. Just stop. And I know he's got a lot of flack and people don't want him to be bullied, but you got to understand this has no, there's no context. Yeah. <laughs> there was no place. He could have just said like, listen, he just got knocked out. We don't have to do like a light, a like a light. There's no context for that. I'm sure I feel sorry for Beth and um, what's my Nigel. man's name? Nigel, Nigel sometimes because they just kind of have to roll with it and act like it didn't happen. But, you know, it just is what it is. That is my cringeworthy moment. That is a little moment that legitimately, legitimately made me cringe. Um, this one came in a little bit, a uh, little bit at the at the last minute at the buzzer. My runner up was uh, Roman Reigns getting dog food poured on him. <laughs> A lot of people just thought bad. this. Yeah, a lot of people thought this was like really like taking it too far. I just thought it was like weirdly like it was like weirdly sensual. It was like silent. 
Oh, like remember, like the scene was just really silent. Like all you heard was people First yelling. Of all, <laughs> my favorite part of the TLC pay per view is where Michael Cole's like, and he's got the dog food, <laughs> and he's just like, <laughs> he brings out a can of dog food, and then I think someone gets hit in the head with the dog food, but he's just like. And he's got the dog food. And I'm like, this is where we're at, <laughs> where dog food has become a legitimate, legitimate pro wrestling weapon. Um, the dog food, I, nah, I just can't. I didn't, I don't like it. I was just like, but you know, cheap heat, whatever. It's yeah. a bear. It's, a, it's, it's on brand for like a Baron Corbin-esque type of heel, you know? And on, and on brand for how bad SmackDown has been also, so. Yes. It, yes it, it, everyone shook hands on that one. Shake hands emoji on that one. Uh, 100%. Next up, let's, let's, we're almost done here. Uh, most memorable moment. I think we broke even on this one. And we talked at length about this, but I chose Kofi Kingston wins the WWE title. I mean, you can't have a different moment, to be honest with you. No, nah, there is there is no moment. <laughs> there is no moment. I can't even... Did I even do a runner-up? I didn't, but, you know, um, your runner-up is hilarious, though, considering... <laughs> All the implications uh, it had for you specifically. Yeah, my my most memorable moment runner up. I I'm gonna give this a tie. I would say uh, Katsuyori Shibata it happened in the same week. So yeah, it happened in this happened within 24 hours of each other. Katsuyori Shibata returning to New Japan Pro Wrestling and Sasha Banks returning to the WWE. It just just both moments just really showed how you know the bravery of of, of both performers uh, coming back to the sport that they. Wait a minute. Wait wait. Shibata's not coming. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, okay. Next, uh, next category. Uh, we're gonna go <laughs> to most improved. Most improved. Uh, I had Lance Archer from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I thought Lance Archer's run in the G1 solidified this for me. I didn't, I didn't have or and couldn't have anyone else in this slot this year. Lance Archer is one of my favorite big men. Uh, and I think he's gonna have a tremendous match against uh, John Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom in a Texas death match. So, um, Lance Archer is definitely somebody that I, I think that you should be looking out for in 2020. And I have Ray Ripley. It's just, she's just a star. She's on her way to the top. Let's push her. I think she has the look. She's always had the look. Um, you know, she's just done great for herself this year. So I have Ray Ripley in this position. And I have Ray Ripley for my runner up for the, for the exact same reasons. I had Umberto Carrillo who literally came out of nowhere. Legitimately came out of nowhere. <laughs> Just like most improved. I was like, listen, he's doing quite well for himself. You know what? He's not bad. He's not bad at he's, all. So my run up is Umberto. He's fun. And somehow that you notice like he already works at WWE style. Like yeah. he already kind of works that style. His, his his finisher is just a moonsault. Like that is so WWE. <laughs> it might be the new music too. They switched his music for like the third time and now it kind of slaps again. So that could oh. also be factored into this. The new music is hard. People talking about they miss Dale Gas. <laughs> Dale Gas. <laughs> Dale Gas, man. Come on. I don't miss Dale Gas at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, God. Let's uh, wrap this up. Last two. Least improved. Least Who'd improved. Say, Who'd you say, Mills? Dana Brooke. Just a vacuum of improvement. Like, the improvement doesn't couldn't recognize her on the street does she want does she want batista to clap cheeks obviously or is this a, is this i would a, have to at this point is this kayfabe or is this shoot i don't even know anymore but i hope it's not a sick joke by batista because that would be weird but um dana brooke just Terrible. i don't know she's like on this like 40 year run of just like 
least in, I, I could not imagine. Listen, when Dana Brooke came, she had kind of solid trajectory, like solid. Or as and a sidekick? No, she just kind of she was working. You know, they got they had her in promos. They had her doing little cartwheels, whatever. And then Oscar came, and then that was it. <laughs> Well, Oscar knocked her the the f out. Oscar knocked it. whatever improvement out of her, <laughs> like, and it has been missing ever since. And I look forward to it. I know people want to like give her this like kind of ironic improvement kind of award. It was like, oh, she's she does swanton bombs off the top rope. That's cool, but not really. Dana Brooke, you're not improving. <laughs> Figure it out. I don't know. Let me go the other way here, and I really feel like I should I should put uh I should put Lawler on here, but I'm, I'm gonna leave it. Uh, Mauro Nalo, I had him for my least improved. I listen, one of the best announcers, commentary guys in boxing. I can't get with him anymore on wrestling commentary. I feel as though as the lead man, he remember when Tom Phillips replaced him for that one week, and it was glorious, and and Beth Phoenix was the best that she had ever been. Because I have always said that Beth was not really that good in commentary, and I was wondering why, and then you see why as soon as he left, right? Right. Yeah, you're right. Remember, remember when Mauro left? Uh, he, he couldn't make it to that one pay-per-view or that one takeover, and it was just Percy and Nigel, and Percy was the best he had ever been? Yeah, I agree. I, I think that Mauro doesn't make anyone better, and that's why he's not, he's not improved at all as a lead man. You know, this is his show. This pick- is his show. Yeah. You know, if you're going to pick him as least improved, then I'm going to go on the flip side. I'm going to say my runner for least improved has to be J.R. Jim Ross, who uh-huh. is just, I mean, the man said Orientals on TV and yeah. I'm just, I'm, I'm cringing for him. Like he keep, is just. Keep it a hundred on Sunday. And this almost got him replaced on this list. On Sunday, he said Kabuki Warrior number one and Kabuki Warrior number two. Oh, that was Jerry Lawler. They're in a different type. Of, they're also, oh, you mean Jim Ross? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jim. Oh, I'm sorry. The sa- same white dude. Sorry. Yeah. So they're they're in the same boat. <laughs> to be honest with you, they can tie. They're terrible. Jr. He's terrible. I think Excalibur needs to be the lead announcer there. Uh, and you know, I, I think that you know, all all in all, the announcers they they need a fresh start with these announcers. I actually don't think Raw needs three announcers at all. To be honest with you, um, my runner up. For least improve, Elias. Elias, it's always Elias. He just is. Yeah, he's just always there. He's. It's always going to be Elias. Yeah, he's just. I don't know. Stop his trying to make him work. The ring. Yeah, his thing isn't there. Uh, hottest news story of the year. Um, I think we both said the same thing. It was AEW. There, there was no. It, it there was no hotter thing to talk about this year than AEW. It's the first real competition WWE has had in over a decade. Um, this isn't. This wasn't an impact level threat. This wasn't a ROH level threat. This was a real. You know, there's real money put behind AEW, and you can see it from the promos. You see it from their TV show. You see it from the way that they present themselves. AEW is is a company that, even a year into its infancy, is something that is really kind of nipping at the heels of, of the WWE. And we've been waiting to see, you know, how they respond if they're going to respond at all. Um, and we've been seeing what AEW has done to kind of set itself apart. Say what you will about the actual weekly show or what they've done or what they've said. They have the consciousness of the lapse. Well, not even the lapse fan. They have the consciousness of the fan. It feels as though they've been overlooked for over a decade. And, and sometimes, in some cases, even since WCW. So mm-hmm. 
uh, AEW and their announcement and, and just the formation of it and, and, you know, everything has garnered huge impressions, huge clicks and huge conversation. I shudder to say that I've been in way too many AEW conversations this year. And um, I, I think that, again, I mean, this is spun off this show into the war report. You know, it, that's yeah. just how big it is. So AEW, hottest news story of the year. I think I'm going to insert Whoop, something fell. Um, I'm going to insert my runner up right now. And I'm going to say Sasha Banks leaves WWE question mark, question mark, question mark. Sasha Banks. I could not. There's so much speculation around it. There's so much mystery. There's so much intrigue. There's so much. When is she coming back? Is she ever coming back? She's like an AEW tweet. She's like this. We legitimately did an entire Sasha Banks watch. It lasted much longer than the other watches that we've done. Um, so I think there's never been so much intrigue behind someone kind of wanted to leave the WWE at this point. I think everyone who has thus far, you know, kind of put in their notice they've really gotten it approved or they've kind of worked out some deal but the sasha banks thing i think wwe definitely did not want to leave that on the table nor leave that out or nor get out of a five-year contract that she kind of just signed but you know it presented there's so much speculation there's so much different things i'm glad we got a lot of different answers about it especially on her like 24 or whatever it is the chronicle um, <clears throat> chronicle so yeah i would say sasha banks leaves wwe question mark question mark love it uh my runner-up was cm punk returning to the wwe um i may end up regretting making that a runner-up of the hottest news story but i think that we had so much speculation of him coming back and there was so much surrounding it within the summertime that when it finally happened it actually was a moment, uh, and and I think that it, it it you know it popped all of us. You know, results may your 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 results may vary, or your, your mileage may vary on whether he's actually good or not. And backstage, he's not. Um, I think that you know him just being within that that ecosystem again is, is huge, and and I think that uh, it definitely brings eyes to to backstage and it brings eyes to like what he's going to do next like do you, do you think people actually care if he gets in the ring again or are they just waiting for him to say he's going to get back in the ring again no they definitely care they want him seen back in the ring he's terrible in this position he should be back in the ring but not really i don't know i feel like he might not care anymore to be honest with you, he's so apathetic regarding his positioning around wwe i don't think he fully he hasn't gotten at least to the point where it seems like there's a passion for talking about this again. This seems like a job. This seems like a nuisance. This doesn't even seem like something that once his contract is over, he'll want to do again. It kind of legitimately seems like something he does in his spare time. And he jokingly talks about it, but I would rather him, you know, if I, I could, I think we'd both have a good sense of character when it comes to these things. And it just doesn't seem like generally his heart is into doing this job and i don't think his heart is into returning into the back to the ring yeah um, when, i think you got it happen with a giant bag but not yeah. because he wants to when you gotta announce that you're watching you're watching uh finn balor and aj styles from uh from tlc from a couple years ago and say is it any good i just think you're just you're just tugging on the snark tree a little too much i, I think punk has really just the human version of reddit or a square circle Reddit, but then then I think about it, Mills, and I'm like, he was always this way. I just think it's more yeah. normal now because we've grown up and we've we've got a more balanced look at the the way the industry is, and the the fans that he created. Let's just be honest, the fans he, he, that he created are AEW fans, essentially. Yeah. Like 
or not, I won't, I won't say all AEW AEW fans. I'm so sorry. Like they're not, I won't say they're all like this, but I'm saying like the more annoying ones are the ones that were galvanized by punk burying Roman on that show or burying, uh, the, the WWE doctor, which he should have done or just burying WWE in general. Like, cause you see, they've tried to rerun it with John Moxley and it's not working. (laughs) You know, like it's literally like it's, it's not working at all. And you know, like, I, I think that, you know, punk, being the the guy who hates everything on the show that's not what the show is about you know i think backstage is a show where it's like it's it's kind of like uh he's trying to make it like undisputed or whatever that show is called on, on fs1 with skip bayless or whatever and it's it's just not that type of show there's too much control over it and, and i and i think that's why he's not good in the role do, now do we think he's going to be in the ring next year do we think he's going to just say f it no i don't think so i don't know it's just i i i can't say i can't say he doesn't seem like he's going to be into it at all all right well, that is our uh, that is our our first half, our first ten categories of our year in special. We have ten more categories next week on our Christmas episode that, that will be airing uh, next Wednesday. Yes, next Wednesday on Christmas. So when you're unwrapping your gifts, you have another gift to unwrap. And I want to next week. I I want to I want to uh, send Christmas shout outs, meal. So that's what I'm going to do next week as well. Sounds good, man. All right. So until next week, uh, of course, you can follow us at RNC Radio Live and at Meals TV and at OG Johnny Five. So hit us up with some of your things that you're thankful for and that you that you want to shout out uh, for Christmas. And if you'd really do it, then, you know, I'll, I'll say it on the show, of course. Uh, so n- until next week, do, do we want people to send in our own their own like uh, you're in things? You could. Yeah. Why not? I mean, yeah. you could like hit us on the tweets. Tell us your wrestler of the year. We're going to put it on the tweet. Tell us your wrestler of the year, and then we'll we'll, right. we'll talk about it on the show. So until Sounds next good. week, uh, for Meals, I am Justin. We'll see you guys next week on the A Show. Happy Worship Day. <laughs>